Hi, I'm Elaine. Welcome to my podcast channel. Um, hi, Mr. Hartshorn. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, uh, great. Uh, would you mind introducing us about your um, math specialties or what math field do you specialize in and what institution you are from? Oh, sure. Well, uh, right now I'm a retired professor from the University of California at Berkeley. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I've been here for it's about 50 years, since 1972, I think. Uh, and before that, I taught at Harvard. Um, mm -hmm. And my specialties are geometry, algebra, and algebraic geometry. Algebraic geometry is really my big specialty. I wrote a book called Algebraic Geometry. And mm -hmm. uh, that's the book everybody uses. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've also taught uh, projective geometry mm -hmm. and Euclidean geometry. And uh, algebra, I've taught, I've taught undergraduate algebra and graduate algebra. And they, mm -hmm. they all go together. Uh, let's see, what else? Those are my main specialties. I mean, at Berkeley, we have to teach. We're supposed to teach every I teach calculus. But uh, don't waste your time taking calculus. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> is it, why is it uh, not wasting? Is it time wasting? Well, the trouble with ca calculus is it cannot be taught rigorously at the level it's normally taught, which is, which is high school senior or, or college freshman that mm -hmm. level that you can't do it you can't do it rigorously to do it rigorously requires a, really about a first year graduate course mm -hmm. so they they teach it because it's useful but it, it's just it's mainly sort of a cookbook here's the here's, here's what you do and here's here's how, how you get the answers it doesn't explain how it works so to understand how it really works needs uh needs much more so i prefer to teach algebra and geometry where you can do things absolutely correctly and that's mm -hmm. the real mathematics because um, in high school, I think um, high school calculus, of course, um, it's mostly, uh, as I understand, it's about um, teaching you formulas and then knowing yeah. particular problems. And then if you know how to solve it, then we move forward and that's all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I taught calculus for many years. And the another trouble with calculus is the people in the class at Berkeley, anyway, it would be 300 people in the class. They don't want to be there. The reason they're there is because it's a prerequisite for pre-med or architecture or psychology or whatever else or chemistry, whatever, whatever else they're doing. So all they want to do is get a good grade. So how do I, how do I get a good grade in this class? It's, it's, it's no fun to teach. And it's not fun for them. Wow. So, um, do you, but do you, you must have had students who are really passionate about math and they want to do more research in math or oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of them. But I, I haven't met them in a calculus class. I, I, I've met them more in the undergraduate uh, algebra class, for example. Yeah. Or his, I also taught history of math. I found some people very interested in that. Oh, yeah. But, um, because I also visited your website and then you taught them. Um, I, I just see, I, I was intrigued by how much history and then about specific, um, like a specific um, mathematician and you, you were writing about his um, experience and what happened and how it really connects to real life so i think that is really cool oh yeah okay well i think you probably you, you probably hit the course i taught a history of math class one time and i required mm -hmm. every student to write a paper and the paper was really usually about a person or a subject and then we put those papers together and put them up on the web so that's probably what you found oh with yeah the, with a whole, whole lot of papers but yeah, a lot of different mathematicians. I was like, whoa, yeah. that is so cool. But, but you have to remember, these are written by students, so you don't have to believe everything. <laughs> they, okay, they, okay. They, made, they made some mistakes. Okay, okay. And I wrote about Lobachevsky, I think, but I'm also a beginning math historian. I'm, I'm not a specialist in math history. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, so uh, 
as you've mentioned, uh, you made a lot of students do um, math research on different mathematicians. What similarities do you find amongst different mathematically ingenious people? Do, do, do they have any similarities in common? You mean the students? Uh, like the mathematicians throughout history. Oh, the mathematicians. Yeah. Oh, similarities. Well, uh, mostly they ask questions. Mm -hmm. The thing about mathematics is, it's, for me, it's discovery. So basically, the way mathematics works is you, you, you have some subject, you, you look at it, you, you ask questions, you observe, you, you make lists of examples, you try to find patterns. When you find a pattern, you put together what's called a conjecture, which is, I think this pattern always works. And then you try to prove a theorem that that's always true. Mm -hmm. So that's sort, of, that's sort of how it works. Yeah. Yeah. That is really cool. Because um, um, last time you also sent me a uh, one of your writings, uh, and I, I actually printed it out. Uh, it's Teaching Geometry According to Euclid. And I, one, one thing that I found extremely interesting is how you were comparing geometry and algebra, I think. And then how, mm -hmm. how geometry is a, is a more accurate depiction of mathematical concepts according to just plain algebra. And I think that is really um, deep as well. Actually, you know, geometry, historically, geometry comes before algebra. Geometry uh -huh. goes back to Euclid, you know, this is 300 BC or so. And uh, in the 16th century, uh, a, a great work on algebra is uh, Girolamo Cardano. He wrote something called the Ars Magna, the Great Art, which is about algebra. Mm -hmm. But it's funny when he wrote a formula like you know x plus y quantity squared equals x squared plus two xy plus y squared. Yeah. He couldn't justify that just algebraically. He had to justify it by going back to geometry mm -hmm. and showing that if you had if you if you have two line segments a and b and you stick them you stick them like end by end and then you mm -hmm. make a square out of that. Then the square out of that falls apart into four squares. There's, there's one little one that's a squared and a bigger one that's b squared. And there's two of them that are, that are a times b. So that's two ab. Yeah. So they didn't consider that you could prove something. That, that was not considered proof until, until you showed the geometry. Yeah. So it's sort of curious. The geometry really came first. Right, right. Yes. So um, do you think personally, uh, in your personal perspective, do you think that geometry is the best way to prove a mathematical concept that is so abstract. For example, you also mentioned Hil like Hilbert spaces and higher dimensions. Is geometry yeah. a good way to represent a very abstract concept or when you have higher spaces? Um, I wouldn't want to say anything is the best way. Whatever you're studying, you, you do it, however you're doing it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, I just found how I, I from, you, from, from from reading your paper, I can tell that you're a Euclid fan. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> Euclid fan. Yeah. And you told your students that it was mandatory for them to read books one to six, or what I recall, like a, a yeah, um, one to four, I think. Which one to four. Um, my geometry course, I, I mean, uh, it's an interesting experience. Have you ever tried reading Euclid? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, people around me, um, some people hate geometry, honestly, mm -hmm. so. I don't know why. Uh, you're the first person that I know who loves geometry. I mean, I personally love geometry too. Mm -hmm. So not a lot of people actually wanted me to do some geometry. Like you do some functions and linear <laughs> algebra instead. Like what's geometry? Uh, so I'm I'm pretty really impressed of how you are uh, really into geometry because I think it's just a really visual way to 
actually represent uh, abstract con concepts. Yeah, yeah. The interesting thing about Euclid, you know, it's not just a list of results and a list of theorems. It's, mm -hmm. it's the deductive process. What's important in Euclid is starting from from a few basic definitions, and axioms, and concepts, and then building everything else up logically. So some people, especially in school, think of geometry as a whole bunch of rules. You have to remember this, remember this, remember that. But in Euclid, you don't remember anything. You start with the beginning hypotheses, and then you develop everything else logically. That's that's what it's really about. Right. Uh, so a lot of, I mean, what high school math mathematics right now is really about is to memorize theorems and um, I remember I, I took a course on error bounds and I of of fun functions and I asked the teacher why is it the power of I, I can't remember but why is the power of two not three and then I, I wish that it would be better if like teachers could start explaining the reason or mm -hmm. do you think that we're too early to know the reason anyway so I I don't know in Canada um the math curriculum in Canada is that there is no geometry at all in high school. No geometry. Oh, that's a question I wanted to ask you. Did you have any geometry? No geometry. No. Um, oh, but I still really learned tons of geometry in eighth and ninth grade, and yeah. so I self studied a lot about geometry. But mm -hmm. the teachers never talked about anything about geometry, not even like a triangle. I would say, I would say oh, that okay. incorporated. It's mostly about functions. I would say the one word that um, sums up my whole high school math that I currently learned would be functions and word mm -hmm. problems and no geometry. So, uh, so what, what in your study that you've math, made math, what was most interesting to you in what you learned in school in the curriculum? Uh, for, for me, I would say th there, there's tons of interesting things like um, the, the um, learn, learning probability at school I would say for example you toss a coin and the I don't I don't know how to say this but the probability um decreases as the number for example if you roll the dice the probably probability of ro rolling a one is the highest probability and it decreases along the way as you go higher in the numbers that's mm -hmm. yeah I think um I would say that um I like things personally when there is a reasoning behind things because I really want to right. know why. I yeah. just well, there are, one trouble is many. I don't know how it is in Canada so much, but a great many math teachers, especially in elementary school, high school, are not mathematicians. Right. They're, they're, something, they're something else. Maybe there's an engineer or a scientist, and they're told to teach math. So they read the book and they teach what they see there, but they teach it as facts—a list of facts that you have to remember. That's not really mathematics. Mathematics is discovery. So uh, it's too bad that way. Uh, yes, and I and I personally feel that right now I don't really know about the U.S. math curriculum, but we need more specialty like math specialties, maybe even teaching kids or students starting from elementary school. And I mm -hmm. think we yeah. just need like even though it's easy math, but you still need to. I would say it would be best if you explain the reasoning behind to a little yeah. kid. So, yeah. and if the teacher can't explain the reasoning, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Like um maybe I don't know um when 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 I just I don't know why um because there's always a reason for the power of two instead of power of three so why did they make it the power of two instead so I have no idea <laughs> I don't know what the context was yeah um yeah there's yeah for for example the um standard deviation thing is it's, it's like a square root and then there's like one over n minus one 
and they say that you have to follow this fine like thinking why can't it be one over and minus two for these standard deviations mm-hmm. is it like who who made this mm-hmm. number yeah so so my question would be what is a standard deviation how did how did it arise and how right. did people come up with that yeah. right i've heard that the one over n minus one thing is like the nature constant or whatever the mathematicians just wanted I, I, i've never studied probability so i can't really tell you i have no idea about that mm-hmm. but, but let me let me tell you a story uh my senior year in high school i was i was going to school in the eastern united states we had an exchange prop program with germany so I went mm-hmm. to Germany for my senior year. And in that class, it was a small class, maybe 20 students. And mm-hmm. they were teaching sort of uh, sort of beginning calculus or something like that. But the man who was teaching, he was an engineer. He was not a mathematician. Yeah. And I was, I was good at math, so I kept asking him questions. And I think he was embarrassed with the questions. And so eventually, <laughs> he, eventually he gave me this book. He didn't say so, but it was an implication to say, go away and read this book. Don't bother me anymore. <laughs> I went and read the book. I read the book. It was a book of a book of projective geometry. Okay. Uh, you speak German? Sorry. You speak, you speak German? Uh, no, I do yeah. not speak German. I yeah. I go to school in Canada, and they make me speak a little bit of French, but yeah. I'm not fluent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But you, you grew up speaking. You grew up yeah. speaking English. Yes. Um, yeah. I grew up here, and I'm. Speak English all the time. So I uh, see. Anyway, so I was. I, this was class in German. He gave me this book, uh, and it was called Geometry der Lage, which means Geometry of Position. It was a, an introductory book of, of projective geometry, which is wonderful. So I read it, and I thought it was very interesting. And then, uh, at a certain point, I saw they were doing a certain construction. I said, well, I think I'd like to generalize. They were doing talking about conics, conic sections, uh, curves of degree two, given by quadratic equations. So I said, what if what if I use cubic equations? So I just started working on it by myself, and yeah. I wrote several notebooks full of this stuff I was discovering. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the teachers, when I, when I finished that, when I finished the school there, the teachers looked at it. I don't think they understood a word of what I was saying, but they said the excellent, excellent new work he's done. <laughs> so I got a good mark for that. Oh, wow. And then later, and then later but you see, for me, the interesting was, this, was this, I saw something in the book, and then I wrote, wrote something new that was different, that hadn't been done before. And I experimented mm-hmm. with it and drew lots of geometry. You can draw pictures. So I drew lots of pictures and saw what was happening. Right. I, I personally do really enjoy geometry. Uh, it's, I don't know why some people don't like geometry. It's just more visual and then you can play around yeah. with the squares and then move the lines and then draw hypothetical lines even. Like I yeah. used to do that, maybe construct a, constructing um, a triangle or hypothetical shape and then figuring out the length of something. Yeah. Did, you ever, did you learn ever do uh, ruler and compass constructions? Or some people call it straight edge and compass. You yeah, straight edge to draw a straight line. Use the compass to draw a circle, and then right. you want to find this. You want to find the the uh, what do they call it? If you have a triangle, the intersection of the three angle bisectors is called the incircle. I think in, in center, and you can mm-hmm. do that. You can discover that with rule and compass. Did you learn how to do that? Um, haven't really uh, tried it out before, but um, definitely heard of something similar. Maybe I should try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the book I recommend, my, my book called Geometry Euclid and Beyond, starts off with, with uh, ruler and compass construction. So if you have a chance to look at that, uh, I don't know if you can do it by yourself without help, but you can try. <laughs> the, book, the book's written for, for a junior, senior level college course. But parts, oh, wow. of, it are, parts of it are very elementary. You can, you can read it perfectly well. And parts of it are quite advanced. Even the, even the college students can't understand it. Wow. Can I read it and yeah. ask questions if I'm stuck anywhere? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can read the nice questions. 
Oh, yeah. The other thing about that book is, you know, in, in most math books, elementary math books, there's lots of problems, exercises, and mm -hmm. they're all about the same difficulty. You just follow the formula in the text. Well, my book is different because there are lots of exercises. Some of them are very easy. Some of them are medium hard. And some of them are very hard. And I don't say which is which. Oh, okay. So um, did you come up these, with these problems yourself per, or it's out there in the world and then you just put com compiled different problems in your book? Well, I, so I made up some of them and I copied others from other books and so on. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically, you know how to solve every single problem from a book. Oh, absolutely. In principle. I may have forgotten. Oh, <laughs> if you okay. ask me, I, say, I don't remember how to do that one. But in principle, <laughs> if I put it in the book, then I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so as you mentioned, you, you in your book, um, which I actually personally downloaded, and I'm I'm thinking to print everything out, but I've noticed that your book is really long. It's hundreds of pages. So oh, yes, yeah, 500 pages. We'll start with chapters one and two or something like that. Yeah, I'll print, uh, I'll print chapter by chapter and then mm -hmm. read it like slowly bit by bit. Um, yeah. yeah, so what what part of your book do you think really stands out um, is do you think it's the most significant part of your? Uh, well, there's various different things. One is I put a lot of emphasis on ruler and compass constructions. Okay. The Euclid doesn't talk about whether something exists. He talks about how to construct it. Okay. So if you want to find, if you have a circle and you want, you want to draw a tangent at some point of the circle, you know, a line that's just touching it at one point, he yeah. doesn't say it exists. He tells you how to construct it with ruler and compass. So that's that's a, a, a different. Modern mathematicians talk about existence, but Euclid mm -hmm. never talks about existence. He talks about construction. So that's it's a sort of philosophical difference. And what I like about it is it's something you can do yourself on a piece of paper. You can do it hands on. Right. Because about, yeah, it's just like uh, reading something and trying to remember it. You do it for yourself. Right. Right. For sure. I totally agree because I think I need to learn how to actually use a ruler and then doing things um, on paper. Um, physically because I used to I would say I think that goes for a lot of other high school students is that they just draw it like but it's a straight a line using their hand and I think that yeah, right. you draw a perfect straight line would be more mm -hmm. mathematical mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, oh another subject I like a lot is number theory you do any number theory Yes, I, I did hear, hear about number theory and I... Theory of prime numbers and factorization and things like that. Yeah, totally. Um, they actually talk a lot, uh, a little bit about it in high school, but not a lot. They talk so much about functions. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So thing I'd, I'd suggest for, your, for your, your, your math enthusiasts is don't take anything for granted. Don't accept what the teacher says. Figure it out for yourself. Right. And yeah. I think sometimes I even think so how do I know that? How can I figure it out for myself and be sure for myself? Right. Uh, so I guess for a lot of high school students or for me as well, um, figure things out individually or mm -hmm. reaching out to other people because I think, yeah, sometimes are there things in math or theorems that you just can't understand um, why it was even derived at the first place? Because I really, really urge to just know the derivation and why this person even came up with, with this theorem. Like, why is it even yeah. there? Yeah. Well, that's something you can ask yourself for every theorem that's presented to you. Where did that come mm -hmm. from? How did it happen? And, and figure it out for yourself. There's lots of resources. You know, there's, there's online, there's, there's Wikipedia that will help do things. Um, 
uh, you have a library, I suppose. You can look in the library. It's really unfortunate um, how nowadays we don't have math bookstores. I would love to go into a math bookstore just selling math books. Nowadays, I think it's, yeah, it's a novel bookstore or there's not much math. Oh, hmm. don't you have uh, stores? There's a university nearby, isn't there? UBC? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, UBC is not I live they five. Must have a store that sells, sells textbooks, and there yeah. must be math books in there. Yeah, I, I live quite close to that university. I should probably go there sometime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can also order books online, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really wish there's a like a physical bookstore where where it's just math itself and then nothing else, mm-hmm. because right now oh, we have novels, right? That's pretty rare. I know one in Paris. But it doesn't exist anymore. It's called Ophelia. All the math books are there, but I don't think they use that anymore. Nowadays, you have to hunt for them in a general bookstore. Yeah. Um, so, just a question: Do you have like a math shelf surrounded with math books? Because I've heard that a lot of mathematicians they they have tons of books on their shelves, and it's like. Oh yeah. Let me see. Uh, what is it? I'll put the camera going the other way. And you can see there's there's some shelves over there. Those are all math books. Wow. Uh, Did you read all of them? Because some of them they just tell me it's there for decoration and nothing else. Books that I use for reference. There's a bunch of the top shelf on the left. Oh wait a minute, I'll get a little I'll get a little closer and then you can see you can see better. Okay. Wow. Uh, it's a it's a really standard uh, place for math. See, up here in the top, these are these are most mostly math history books and Euclid. There's uh, there's uh, Fund of Science Awakening. That's about the beginning of science in Europe. And then those three ones here, these guys, those are those are uh, Euclid's Elements in three volumes. Dover. Yeah. That's not expensive. And then I've got a book on non-including geometry. So these are history introduction to. Well, this is the book I mentioned to you in an email. Uh, Howard right. Eves Introduction to History of Math. I mentioned mm-hmm. that because he, he does elementary things and he. He explains them nicely. And mm-hmm. then, uh, uh, oh, this is a, do you know Albrecht Durer, the painter? Uh, nope, haven't heard of him. No, he's a German painter from the early 16th century. Mm-hmm. This is a book, he's a, he was an artist, but mm-hmm. this is a book about mathematics that he wrote at that time. So I got a, a facsimile copy of that. So these are books that I use for, for uh, oh, Fibonacci. Do you know about Fibonacci numbers? Yep, the nature yeah. sequences. Nature sequences, yeah. And then, uh, oh, this one's interesting. Uh, Les Neuf Chapitres. That's the, that's the classic Chinese math text from about 180. Wow. They, they wrote down all the, all the math they knew at that time. It's amazing what they knew. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I particularly like Euclid, so I have a lot of it in Euclid. Uh, right. Let's, uh, oh, yeah. Here's, here's my book. Here's, that's my book on algebraic geometry. That's the famous one. And then what I was telling you about is, uh, where is it? It's not here. Uh, and then over here, these are the older books. I see, I collect, I like books, I like Euclid's Elements a lot. So I've collected a lot of, a lot of different editions of Euclid's Elements, mostly in Latin, but they also come in German, French, Italian, uh, mm-hmm. Spanish, no, not Spanish, Swedish, Chinese, Japanese. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. That is my research library. Wow. So if you have, if you have, if you don't, if you're not limited financially, you can buy books. If you have enough money to, just have a little extra money to buy books, 
You know what? There's a, there's a guy, a philosopher, in mm-hmm. the, I think maybe 17th century in, in, in Rotterdam, called Erasmus. And he's quoted as saying, if I have some money, I buy books. Mm-hmm. If there's anything left over, I buy food and clothes. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so I, I see that you have uh, on your other shelf, are these like, like as you mentioned, they're Latin or whatever. Are they basically the only ones left in the world? Like they're premium and you can't buy other books elsewhere. It's like, it's the last yes. book it's in the world. One. Not the only one, but these are, these are some of these are rare books. You know, they're not they're not more than twenty or thirty copies around different places. Yeah, uh, great. Um, another question on because uh, I'm trying to help a lot of high school students out there. Um, they're actually having difficulties in math primarily because they they have they they claim that they have weak basics. Like Weak um, basics. I, what do you mean by basics? They they can't really you know solve a they they know the equations for stuff, but when they're solving a quadratic equation, they they get the numbers wrong and they bomb the whole test. So oh. right. <laughs> so do you have any tips for um, um, practicing that specifically? Um, do you think like math just for basics should be? Like students should practice a lot of math calculations and then make sure they have strong basics before they move further in their studies. Well, uh, I don't know about the elementary school to high school level, but from high school to college, that's certainly true. You know, we get people coming to Berkeley and they, they take calculus class, but they can't do algebra. And if you want to do calculus, you have to do algebra. They'll say, you know, if you have A plus B in a parenthesis squared, Mm-hmm. They'll write that's equal to a squared plus b squared. Well, that's not correct. <laughs> they, don't the, they don't know the difference. Yeah. So a lot of people just don't just don't get basic skills. So basic before you do calculus, you need basic skills in, in algebra and uh, arithmetic and a few things like that. Right. And how how do you make more people passionate about about math? Because they when they hear about math, it's like going to hell and it's terrible for them. It's like math is just like they want to get rid of that out of their life. Well, that's a a hard question. I don't believe that everybody is suitable to do math. I think some people are naturally good at it and actually think that way and others don't. Mm -hmm. So regarding to the fact of whether one is naturally good at mathematics, do you think that everyone has the same capabilities? It's just one person spends a lot of time on math and that is because they're really interested and one doesn't and that's why there's like the difference. So is there um, something like how you're just naturally good? I think it's, I think if you start with natural curiosity. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. for example, my, my, my own case, uh, I, we keep things in my family. So I found the, my report cards from when I was five years old, five-year-old yeah. beginners at school. And the teacher said, well, Robin doesn't play with the other children so much, but he loves numbers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think from the very beginning, I was, fed, I was, it, I was interested in numbers. And I remember there was, I, I spent one whole Christmas vacation when I was 12 or 13, maybe. I made, a, I made an icosahedron out of uh, cardboard. You know what an icosahedron is? Uh, is it a particular sided um, shape? or it's, maybe hey, it's a shape. It's made out of 20 equilateral triangles put together in sort of a, a ball. I don't have one here to show you. Uh, there, there are various figures you can make by putting together 
put it together. You know about a tetrahedron, a, a, a triangle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a, pyra a pyramid. Uh -huh. Triangle yeah. base and three triangular sides. Yeah. That's, a, that's a tetrahedron. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, an icosahedron is more complicated. It's 20 triangles you know, stuck together. And then I painted the faces so I could keep track of them. And I was trying to figure out what the rotations were. <clears throat> You, know, you mm -hmm. rotate, you rotate it, and it comes back to the same position. Only the faces have moved to a different place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, that's called a rotation. If you do one rotation after another, that's equivalent mm -hmm. to some other, some third rotation. So I was trying to figure out what was the what was the recipe for how you get <clears throat> one rotation out of a product of two other rotations. Yeah, for sure. Have you have you come across the notion of group? Uh topology, group theory. In topology, they have them. Yeah, a group is something where where there's there's some operations, and if you perform one and then and then do another one after it, you get a third one. So it's a it's a set of operations with the multiplication rule. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds really really interesting. I think. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the beginning of abstract algebra is to talk about groups. Anyway, the group of rotations of the of the icosahedron is a group with sixty elements, and I was trying to figure out what the what the rules were and how how you multiply. I gave them names, and how do you multiply one times another? Uh, I didn't succeed, but I learned on but later when I was teaching a graduate algebra, and then I really understood the, the group of rotations of the icosahedron. Mm -hmm. Sounds really interesting. I also um, heard um, recommendations on graph theory as the fundamentals to start, mm -hmm. start with yeah. anything. Do you agree with that? Starting with graph uh, theory? I think well, you start anywhere. It doesn't matter where you start. I think graph theory is good because, because you can draw the graph yourself and you can, you can manipulate it and mess with it. <clears throat> Something you can do yourself. You can try different graphs. You know the uh, Königsberg bridge problem. Bridge problem. Haven't heard of that. Königsberg. This is this is this was the 17th century. There was a, there was a town in Germany um, with with uh, called Königsberg that had some rivers going through it and it had seven bridges. And the, the game was to try to cross walk in the afternoon so that you crossed each bridge exactly once. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was difficult. If you see, if you see, I, I don't have a picture of it, uh, but if you see the way the bridges are, this is something that's impossible. In fact, you yeah. can't do that you, because you, you'll you'll miss one. And if you want to you, you want to go that one, you have to get some other one. So this is a famous problem in graph theory because it's a certain graph that you cannot doesn't have a uh, doesn't have a connected loop or something. I don't know the right terminology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for sure. look at if you have a, if you have a book or look on look on. Uh, Look on Wikipedia. That's a good source. For sure. For the, yeah, totally. Um, I've also heard of the um, ADE theorem, how you uh, basically categorize different geometrical um, shapes into alphabets, like ADE. Yeah. And a -A -E. what, what, what do ADE stand for? I'm not really sure, actually. I just heard of someone say about the, uh, the alphabets A, B, C, D, E, and then all the way to I, and then you categorize different um, geometric shapes according to the letters. Oh, well, that's interesting. Find out about it. Yeah, and also, uh, have you heard of it, like turning a sphere upside down? Uh, there's a thing called turning a sphere inside out. Or uh, one of my yeah, inside here, out, or sorry. One yeah. of my colleagues here at Berkeley did that. Uh, Charles mm -hmm. Pugh, and that was that was a famous problem. That's that's very difficult. He and he he actually made some models out of wire, and they were hanging in our common room for a while, showing the process. Mm -hmm. That is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's an interesting idea, but I think it's much too hard for beginning students. I wouldn't recommend trying to do that. Oh really? Uh, because I thought yeah. that is sort of like geometry as well. So, it's a well, kind it's of sure. it's, yeah. it's topology. Actually, it's more topology. Oh, okay. topology is, is topology is the study of of uh, 
shapes and forms without without me measuring anything. So in topology, any, all triangles look the same. It's just three three sides, <clears throat> and a sphere. You know the famous the famous question: What's the difference between a cup of coffee and a donut? You know that one. <laughs> oh, is it is, is sort of. Coffee. No, yeah. I haven't heard of In that. Topology, they're both they're both represented by a surface called a torus or a, a, a right. donut. You think of the, the donut is easy to see. It's it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a singular loop that goes around. But that's the okay. same as a coffee cup because if you take the coffee cup, if you shrink the, the drinking part down to almost nothing, and you take the handle, then the handle and the drinking part you can move it into the shape of a donut. Yeah. Oh, that is that, really. They call it rubber sheet geometry sometimes. You can move things around. So interesting question is if you have surfaces in three space, you know, things like that, one or two of them the same. For sure. And yeah. why are like, um, I've heard that a lot of um, undergrads at universities, they told me that they suffer. They think topology is the hardest course ever in university. They, they think topology is really, really difficult compared to other math courses. What do you That's think? So is topology quite difficult to learn? Well, the, the beginning levels is very easy. <clears throat> you don't measure, there's no measurement. You just assess mm -hmm. shapes. <clears throat> mm -hmm. mm, I don't know. It may have been their particular university or how it was taught. Yeah. It, uh, it's so, hard to imagine at the beginning. It may be yeah. hard, hard to get your mind around it because you're not used to thinking that way. Right. Yeah. And uh, from the high school transition to university, I think it's it's a big jump, would you say, mm -hmm. from high school math to university math? Well, it depends which high school and which university. That, that, that is really true. <laughs> if you have a very, very well-trained and good mathematics department in your high school, you'd be all set. Mm -hmm. But like many American students, they don't have enough math in their, in their high school and they get to college and we suddenly expect a different level of understanding and they, they don't, they're not there. So they have to take remedial courses. Yeah. Did you mention somewhere in one email that you were thinking of taking some, some university courses at UBC while you're still in high school? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I was actually, uh, because I've completed all my um, mandatory courses and my counselor was like, um, so we have to give you some, let you do some math because, uh, yeah. yeah, so I have to do some math for, mm -hmm. for next year. So I'm probably going to join take some online or in-person university EBC courses. I, I'm not really sure about that. Uh, is, it, is it interesting that I've never been have there? You, have you looked at the choices to see what kind of classes they have? Yeah, I've actually, they have a, a broad range of uh, math course options. And I don't know, I think I'm probably going to look into geometry because I think you inspired me a little bit too. Like, uh, I think you made geometry really interesting, especially from your um, paper of, because he with it, I think. Yeah, I, I probably would do some geometry. I'm not really sure if geometry is included for first year or second year. Well, unfortunately, the geometry is being taught less and less in, in, in American universities anyway. I think that's very sad because it's such a beautiful subject. Um, yeah. One of the reasons is that it, it, uh, many math courses are sort of feeder courses for graduate study and, and PhDs. And geometry is not a very popular research subject right now. So mm -hmm. people would rather take analysis or um, group theory or something like that, or topology, which lead to more advanced courses and, and, and possible careers. Whereas geometry, uh, it's just been neglected. It's such a beautiful subject. 
See, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter what you take, so long as you're training your mind and you're, you're learning concepts and, and learning proofs and how to how to deduce one thing logically from another. That's what geometry is really about. For sure. Do you think there are because I've heard um, from some people else say that there are more developmental pathways, such as um, partial differential um, PDE or other uh, math branches, mm-hmm. differential mm-hmm. equations compared to geometry, where um, is it true that this field is has stopped developing? Like there's not much to discover about. There's much, not much to invent in that field. Well, certainly, if I feel like PDEs is very practical. You know, that's, yeah. <clears throat> you can you can make use of it later on, whatever you're doing. Whereas elementary geometry, we're talking about elementary geometry, you know, triangles and so on. Uh, that's not a research field, really. I happen to love it because because I think it's beautiful, and I think for teaching for teaching how to think and how to reason, it's just as good as any other subject. But if yeah. you want a subject that'll be good for your career and, and a job later on, uh, it won't help you so much. But to me, that doesn't matter. If you, you train your mind, geometry is a great place to train your mind. Mm-hmm. For sure. And also, I think um, probably geometry also helps in ar- architecture and um, aesthetics, especially yeah. if you're painting and then art. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Especially learning how to use a compass and then making good lines and how they cross together, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Architect. I don't know if it's still true, but my mother was an architect, and she had very good drawing skills. At that time, you had to be able to draw very accurately. Nowadays, everything's on the computer, so I don't know if people develop those skills of drawing anymore. Mm-hmm. Do, you know any, do you know any architects? You might ask them. What... <laughs> I don't really know that many architects. I'm thinking that if you're going to build, construct, or you want to be an engineer, you have to construct something, and the basics of that is basic geometry, and I think that mm-hmm. geometry is so useful in all aspects. Well, I'm sure they, they do, yeah, but I think nowadays a professional uh, architect or something will do everything on the computer. There computer stuff that will draw things for you, and shapes and so on, and measure the weights, and, and measure the, and they can even make sort of 3D pictures and measure the stress, whether it's enough. But to me, that's not the person thinking, that's the computer thinking. So. <clears throat> I try to get people to put away their iPhones and their iPads and, and take out a piece of paper and work on the paper. Yeah, um, thinking about uh, talking about uh, uh, computers, which is um, artificial intelligence and robots. Um, so one day, till like we have computers who that can draw things out for us, um, do we still need human mathematicians or uh, even geometry learning um, to help well, us construct something? Yes, for, for two reasons. First of all, the computer doesn't just exist. Somebody designed it. You need yes. people to design the computer. They have to understand. And secondly, letting a computer do everything for you doesn't, doesn't uh, help your understanding at all. You want to understand where something comes from. If, if you plug it into the computer and it gives you an answer, you don't understand anything. How do you get it? Yeah. Like there's also um, debates out there, tons of debates uh, on how mathematicians we don't need mathematicians. I think computers can do everything for us. No, that's total nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we still need mathematicians to create new things and develop new things as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, in my calculus classes, everybody has their little iPhone or their little their little handheld computer, and they yeah. make ridiculous mistakes on final exams. I've seen somebody like there's a there was a, a compound interest problem. You know, you have a hundred dollars yeah. and you invested at three percent for five years. Compound interest. How much do you get? And he gets ten thousand. Well, you know, anybody looking at that would say this is total nonsense. It could not possibly be the right answer. But the trouble right. was he got the decimal he got the decimal point wrong on his on his computer. Maybe they 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 punch in the wrong decimal points or. They punched in the wrong decimal points. So they, they, they're not thinking, you know, if you were thinking, you say, that can't possibly be right. I did something wrong. Right. So um, talking about this as well, nowadays we are using, a lot of students are using calculators for mm -hmm. tests and they're punching yeah. in the numbers and then whatever is just, I think right now math is, a lot of math is kind of computerized a little bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Using calculators and then maybe one day we don't even need to use geometry. We might we just use a computer to drive for us. Um, do you think this is a bad idea? Like, do you think that we need to just start like calculating? Well, the are is, do you want to have the correct answer or do you want to have an educated person? Uh, if you want an educated person, you teach them to think. <laughs> if yeah. you want the correct answer, you do it on the calculator. Right. So what, what what's your idea on this phenomena? Like, do you think that we should do solve things ourselves or yes, ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Solve things yourself, but you know what you're doing. If you do it in the computer, you don't the computer's doing something. You don't know what the computer's doing. So you don't can't understand how it got that answer. Right. That is really, really true. Because I, I think a lot of people rely on computers instead of um, mm -hmm. mathematical brains. Is that computer exactly. they think that they're always right. They're following a particular systematic pattern and nothing can go wrong. And mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I see, I'm a teacher after all. I want people to understand things. I want to elevate their brains. I don't care about the right answer. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of um, students here, they only care about what the percentage or the correct answers they got, but they don't really focus that much on derivations and proofs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if they just want a good grade in their class and graduate with honors and so on, that's fine. But if they want to really understand things, they should figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, it sounds to me like you're, you're, you're on the right path. You're going to figure things yeah, out. Yeah, I, I kind of want to just, I, 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 that is why I really, really like math, is that numbers don't lie compared to other subjects. It's yeah. kind of convoluted and mixed up a little bit. And I think mm. math is just so not convoluted. It's more straightforward. And mm. at the same time, I want to know why this even happened. But I think yeah. sometimes people also say that um, once you get older, you will know why in the later 20 years. Not, you not, not unless you ask questions and, and, and got answers and research, researched it. Yeah, because I think um, the reason or purpose do you think it involves more complicated reasoning and math that I probably couldn't understand right now? Well, part of the complicated reasoning, you, you have to train yourself. You do simple reasoning and you gradually do more and more complicated reasoning. But if you don't train yourself with simple reasoning, you'll never get to the complicated reasoning. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I like about geometry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. If, you if you do get a copy of my geometry book and you try the exercises, remember, uh, you don't have to solve every problem. And some right. of them are very hard. You may not solve it. Some take five minutes, some take an hour, some take a weekend, and some you'll be still struggling with it for many weeks. So if you get to one that's too hard, just drop that and go on to another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the most other important, really important thing is to actually focus on a problem and yeah. never give up and then yeah i think um for a lot of high school students even they i think they might just google answers 
the moment they just can't, can't solve that problem. So right. do you think it's important to just stare at the problem or ask well, someone? Absolutely. absolutely. <clears throat> but it is useful to have a, have a bunch of cohorts, people similar with similar ideas as yourself and work on something together if it's too hard. When I, when I was teaching this, uh, this uh, geometry course at Berkeley, I gave them these problems. Some of them are very hard. And I was really happy because every, every week before the, the, they were due on the Wednesday or something, I saw a whole bunch of my students up in the common room sitting around a big table and working on the problems. I said, this is great. <laughs> I've got them really thinking. Yay. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know. I also saw um, people drawing on whiteboards and putting different arrows and, and like zigzags or it's... Yeah. It's it's really abstract and yeah, it right sounds like, sounds like abstract mathematics. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder what that is. I might have to find it out myself. Like different arrows pointing this way, that way. Like quantum jitters. Or well, ask somebody. What is it? Ask them to yeah. explain it to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I I'm just thinking that if that is so complicated that I might not know, even though they explain it to me, maybe I need time to process the reasoning if maybe go forward in my studies and then know more about it until I get it. Hopefully. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly had the experience of, of asking some other student about something and he explains it to me. I don't understand a word. And then a year later I said, Oh, that's what it is. Oh, Oh, only a year. It took you a year. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes if something was something will settle into your mind. You, you hear a talk, you don't understand it at all and you forget about it and then it'll pop up again later. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and also a lot of different people, you get inspirations of ideas from different places, yeah. like you might be walking in the park or taking a shower and suddenly yeah. you, it popped out in your brain. Yeah. So do you have other people, friends you can talk to about math? Yeah, um, I actually crave interaction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, because in grade eight or nine, um, I finished with my mandatory courses, I was super hyper concentrated for just math itself. And I mm -hmm. uh, actually wanted to connect with more people who are interested in math. And unfortunately, um, a lot of my friends do not like math. So mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to talk to people who really like math. I don't well, think- what, what about the ones that do like math? Don't you have some friends that really like math? Uh, very few. I've only um, one or two, maybe talk a little yeah. bit. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, I was, I would say I would crave for more interaction and even discuss mm -hmm. about just discuss math in general would be very great. And, um, I want a couple of things I wanted to mention that we have in the U.S. There's a whole bunch of movement of things called math circles. You, you yeah. heard about something like that? I did. Um, I actually uh, heard about the UBC circle, math circle. Yeah. I need to join that one maybe next. Okay. How does it work? Uh, so it's basically. Um, so there's a pr professor called George Blumen, and he organized um, a math circle where um, different high school students from grade nine to 12, they gather together and there's pizza every Monday. And yeah. we basically, okay, so we spend two hours on math. So the first hour will be focused on learning some high uh, pre-college courses. And the second hour will be um, gathering together and solving problems and maybe sometimes yeah. incorporating um, math competition problems, but who who uh, who explains this? Who who explains the thing? You know, does the students take turns explaining, or is it some uh, professional? So, uh, basically, um, postdocs or undergraduates. Uh -huh. Yeah, they explain um, concepts that maybe they are they've already learned, and so yeah. it's. Well, that's excellent. I very very encourage you to do that.
Mm-hmm. You meet people that way. We have we have a mass circle in in Berkeley. It's for kids between the age of about nine and fifteen or sixteen, maybe you know, young kids. Yeah. And the way it works is they meet on a Tuesday evening for a couple of hours, and there's one speaker, usually a professor or something. I've done I've done that several times. Who will talk on some subject, and then they have a discussion, and they have uh, they they work problems together. It's great for little kids. Yeah. Well, I wanted to introduce you to, to a person you might want to interview. The person who runs the Berkeley. Uh, math circle is called Zvezda Stankova. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce his name? <laughs> Zvezda Stankova. Her email is Stankova, S T A N K O V A, at berkeley.edu. Okay. She's a, she's, I think she's originally from Bulgaria, or one of those Eastern European countries. And she was a, she was a, a, a math, 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 uh, math Olympiad person. You know, people who, took math, competitive math exams and so on. And then she came to Harvard and got a PhD and she came to Berkeley. She taught at Mills College for many years. And mm-hmm. now she's, I don't remember what her title is exactly, but she runs the math circle at Berkeley. Uh, and, mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of kids. And they, they have topics. Uh, I've talked to that, that group a number of times. Uh, there are just some topics that you can talk about in an hour. And then the, then the kids learn something. So you might, you might get in touch with, you can, Oh, you look for her. Her her email is stankova at berkeley.edu, but she must have a website also. So yeah, you could look at her. Sure. I, I don't know her website. And the other Do you thing know I wanted to make personally? A, what? Do you know her personally? Or oh, yeah, are you? I do. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can tell her I, I sent you to her. Oh, <laughs> so okay. You okay. might say, Who is this calling me? You say, Well, Robin Hartshart told me to call you. <laughs> and then she'll talk to you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm going to just uh, email her and say that um, Mr. Harshorn um, recommended you to me. And, yeah. yeah. And yeah. see if you can find her website. I don't know. She must have a website. Or look at Berkeley Math Circles. Maybe you can find something if you look for Berkeley Math Circles. Okay. There's math circles all over the U.S. They, they start, I mean, they started when I, was, when I was at Harvard, you know, 50 years ago, they had a math circle there. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to mention to you was, was a, summer, a summer camp called Math Path. Have you heard of that? Uh, no, haven't. Math path. It's spelled M A T H P A T H. Math path. Yeah. And the man who, who founded it and organized it is named George Thomas. Okay. And uh, I taught it that. It goes for three or four weeks in the summer, and they get mm-hmm. kids between the age of nine and thirteen that come and live mm-hmm. there for several weeks, and they have oh. they have math talks by professors, and then they have problem sessions. And then I, 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 I taught it that a couple of times. The, these kids are phenomenal. You can't believe they, they know an enormous amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, but the funny thing is, when, when you're giving a talk, like projective geometry, I talked about, but they ask very serious questions like a college class. Uh, and then when the class gets out, they're kids. They, start, they take balloons and blow them up and fly them through the air. <laughs> they do all kinds of kids. Wow, um, you're too old to be a camper there, but but uh, you might check it out and, and get some ideas or find somebody local that's, that's yeah. involved with it. For sure, that is really really good advice too. Um, and, uh, I don't remember the names of the other people, but there's several several young people who taught there many times who were really enthusiastic and, and, and d- dynamic mathematicians. Mm-hmm. I think uh, part of what makes math really interesting is actually discussing math about people. Uh, from different people, I think different people have different ideas about math, and that yeah. can really give you some inspiration as well. So, uh, according to uh, what you're researching on, which is I would assume Euclid geometry, uh, did you work with um, different mathematicians? Like, for you, were you working on a singular problem with different people? 
Uh, both, yes, yeah. I mean, in the course of studies, I studied with many, had many professors. <clears throat> uh, after after the, I was in high school in Germany with projected geometry, I came to Harvard, and there was a professor Zariski there. He's now passed away, uh, who, who taught geometry. So I talked to him, and I took several of his classes. And then naturally, I got involved in other other more advanced subjects than just projective geometry. Uh, so I learned from many many mathematicians. Yeah. Wow. So among so many mathematicians, um, could you share one of your favorite mathematicians? Oh, from one of my favorite. Well, or I think my favorite, my favorite mathematician is is Alexandre Grothendieck. He's a oh, French. Okay. Yeah, and he was he was he's passed away now, but he was probably one of the greatest mathematicians of the twentieth century. Wow, one of the greatest. Wow, one of the greatest. Yeah, and he has a very curious history. He was he was born in Germany. His mother was a was a German uh, Huguenot. No, not a Huguenot. Some kind of some kind of. And his father was a Russian Jew who'd been uh, who'd been kicked out of Russia, and uh, was a sort of sort of homeless, I think. And anyway, so they had this child, and then the, the, this was the, during the wartime. They they put Grothendieck as a child with a with a family of of a, of a pastor in 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 France. No, where was he? In in Germany. While well, they went off to fight in the Spanish Civil War, the mother and father, and then he grew up. Then he moved to, to France, and they were interned. Since they were Jewish, they were interned in a, in a camp in France. But he was able to go to high school nearby, and he went to college in Montpellier. And he's an example of what I was telling you. He thought that the calculus was not being taught very well. He thought that mm -hmm. the way they dealt with area, he said that wasn't wasn't precise. So he, he figured out his own theory of area, a whole kind of theory. And he thought this would maybe this would be his thesis when he went to Paris. And then he went to Paris with this work that he'd done, which was a very excellent work. And he showed it to Henri Carton, who was one of the main professors in Paris. He said, well, this is very good work you've done, but unfortunately, it's already known. It's called the Lebesgue integral. So he rediscovered on his own something which is a well-known theory. And from there on, he went on and he worked in, in topological vector spaces, and then he worked in algebraic geometry. He completely rewrote the foundations of algebraic geometry. Yeah. A total, total, total revolution. And yeah. I was fortunate to meet him because he came to Harvard in 1961 and gave courses. And then I went to Paris and I studied with him there. And uh, eventually mm -hmm. my book, Algebraic Geometry, which I mentioned before, was basically mm -hmm. explaining his way of doing algebraic geometry which at the time was just beginning. Yeah. So he, sure. he was certainly the strongest, strongest influence in my, my development. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I think um, at university, if, if people want to go into math, it, it's certainly really important to find a good advisor to inspire you yeah. in mm -hmm. different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and do you have any last tips for Hi, uh, people who want to go into math or are really interested? Well, what I said before, th figure things out for yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't take anything for granted. Yeah. Uh, try to understand where it came from and work out lots of examples. Yeah, and also a lot of high school students, they, they really focus on getting math certifications and uh, going to um, math competitions. Oh, yeah. Applications. Do you think this yeah. is math? Competition is good because if you're faced with problems to solve on the moment, that's good practice. It's not mm -hmm. the end of the world. It's not. It's not. It's not a. It's not a career in itself. But it's very helpful when you're a student because it'll inspire you with with topics that you don't learn in your classes. Yeah, for sure. It's, have, you, uh, have you tried any of those math competitions? 
Uh, in Canada, um, I haven't, I looked into um, several and I barely tried that many, but I signed myself up to several, maybe starting next year because heard a lot of friends say, talk about that. I think most of my high school journey would be through flipping through books and then buying different books and mm-hmm. pages. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much for answering my podcast questions.